So do you want to create the perfect pitch to get your business the media exposure it deserves? But you're wondering whether that's going to be super hard, exhausting, overwhelming, or really a ton of effort for you curating perfect emails, researching the right contacts, only to never hear back. In my experience, I found myself spending hours every week working hard to get the email in front of the right people. And although it worked in the long run, I knew there was a better way and perhaps even a better strategy. And that's why I'm super excited to share with you the guest on this week's episode of Untapped so that you can figure out how to perfect your pitch strategy. You're listening to the Untapped Podcast, a podcast where you can learn how to tap into your potential and get paid to be you so that you are ultimately doing the work that you love and living life on purpose. It sounds too good to be true. I can tell you it's not. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi entrepreneur, author, speaker, podcaster, obviously, triathlete, and white German Shepherd lover. And I have gone from the corporate world to my own business, where for the last 11 years, I have essentially been learning and educating people how to build an online business they love by monetizing them and what they do best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these golden nuggets with myself or my amazing and inspiring guests. And make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen in to this Just search for Untapped with Natalie Sisson. All right, let's dive in. So this week's podcast guest is Christina Nicholson. She's the powerhouse behind Media Maven, and she went from an award-winning journalist to a professional PR freelancer and now runs a multi-million dollar PR agency. This lady is on it. She has successfully pitched her clients to some top players in the media industry, including Forbes, Fast Company, The Huffington Post, and Time. And if you're ready for some big exposure and to turn your publicity into profit, then this is the episode for you. Specifically, you're going to learn how to create the perfect pitch strategy, how to use your story for a pitch that lands, how to land ideal PR opportunities to get you in front of the right audience, how to send an email that won't get ignored, and how to leverage your media exposure. So let's dive on in. Christina Nicholson, welcome to the Untapped podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so wonderful to have you here. I'm really excited to jump into all the goodness that I know you're going to bring to my beautiful audience today, all about getting more visibility and publicity and knowing how to pitch yourself and all the things. But first of all, how have you tapped into your potential and how do you get paid to be you? Well, I think it really just comes back to doing what you're good at. We hear a lot about following our passion and that's great. You obviously want to like what you do. But people aren't going to pay you because you're doing something you're passionate about. People are going to pay you because you're good at what you do. So I think you need to look at what you're good at doing and what you like doing. Put those two things together. So I just look at what I've always liked to do and what I've always done. And I mean, I can think as far back to the eighth grade when I wanted to be a TV reporter and on career day, I went to the local... TV station. And I think I like read the church announcements or something for a local (laughs) church. And that was how I started my career in TV. And then, you know, I went, long story short, was a TV reporter and anchor for 10 years before launching my own PR agency from being on the other side of things. I could see where a lot of people were missing the mark when they pitched the media. So by me being me and getting paid to do it, it's just going back to What I did in corporate America, I just took it and I said, okay, I'm just going to do this for myself to help other people and I'm going to be the boss now. 
I love that. And I love that you're on both sides of the story as well, so to speak. I mean, I've always loved documenting on camera and I've also done a little bit of TV presenting, definitely not 10 years worth, but I really could see from being on the other side of the camera, what was needed on the front side of it and vice versa. And I'd love to know with all those years of running the PR agency, what do you think is the number one struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs have with getting in front of great media? What do you actually think is the number one struggle? Okay, good question. Oh gosh, can I say number one and number two? Yes, you can. Okay, we'll give you two for sure. It's hard to pick one because it just depends what kind of entrepreneur you are because Mm -hmm. there's one entrepreneur and this could be number one if you think you're not ready for media. That's Mm -hmm. an excuse people make. They'll say, oh no, I'm not ready. My brand isn't big enough. I'm not making enough money, this and that. Well, that's the reason why you're not big enough. That's the reason you're not making money. It's because not enough people know about you. That's why you need media exposure. Mm -hmm. So I think one big reason is people just make mistakes on, no, I can't pitch myself. I'm not ready for this. I want to grow first. I want my website to be done. They just make excuses on Mm -hmm. why they think they're not ready for it. Uh, That's a mistake. If you're ready for a new customer or you're ready for a new client, then you're ready for media exposure. But if you are another kind of entrepreneur and you're pitching and you're trying and you're putting yourself out there, I would say the biggest mistake people make is they make their pitch way too promotional. Mm -hmm. It is not the media's job to promote you. It is not their job to talk about your products, talk about your book, talk about your services. It's their job to deliver the news. It's their job to tell a story. So you need to figure out a way to be part of that news story not pitch something that's so self-promotional that it's going to be ignored. And I can tell you being on the receiving end of those pitches for 10 years, that is what (laughs) nine out of 10 people pitch. It's overly promotional stuff that would never get picked up. It's stuff that you would see in a commercial. It's not newsworthy. So when I say the top one to two mistakes, it's (laughs) people either making excuses not to pitch. And then Mm -hmm. when they do pitch, they're making it all about themselves. Yeah. And I think it's such a common mistake to do because right at the beginning of this podcast, you said, you know, do what you like or love doing and what people will pay you for. And you're really good at, but I also think that adds value to others because if you consistently turn up and add value to others, which I'm sure you've done with all your clients over the years, they'll just keep coming back to you. And the same goes for when you're pitching an idea. Sometimes I think you do get caught up in that. Oh my gosh, how am I going to make the sound really, really awesome about me? But it's all about them. So I'd love to actually just then look at what and how do you come up with a great idea to pitch the media that isn't promotional? So there's a few ways that you can do this. The easiest way and the the low hanging fruit is going to be look at what is already being talked about. How can you insert yourself into that story? What expertise do you have there? Mm. So for example, I mean, I can give you a coronavirus angle with almost all of my clients. We have a couple of clients that are restaurant owners. And I think in this last month, we have gotten them more coverage in the last month than we ever have. And Hmm. their restaurant is closed. They're only open for takeout or delivery. But that's because everybody is talking about how businesses are affected. Well, here's a restaurant. Here's how it's affected. This is what they're doing. This is the takeout process, the carryout process. This is a behind the scenes look at how they're operating. Like there's so many different angles with that one. With Mm -hmm. another client, they sell bracelets and they're giving some proceeds of every bracelet sold to a charity and they're calling it the relief bracelet. So that's another Mm -hmm. example of how they are 
shifting their business because of the coronavirus. So we are shifting our pitching. People are already talking about something. How can we be a part of that conversation? How can we give a journalist a new angle to talk about? That way they're still covering the news, but we're helping them. And by default, we're getting that promotion and we're getting that mention. So that's going to be your low-hanging fruit. In PR, I didn't know this when I was in news, but in PR, they call this news jacking, where mm. you kind of take the news and you kind of steal it and make it your own. <laughs> that's really not what happens. Again, that's why it's a PR term and not a news term. In news, we call it, oh, thanks for helping us give us this other angle for a story that we were already going to cover anyway. <laughs> I love it. That's really cool. Okay, news jacking. I mean, I think I've done that before a few times when I've really thought intensely about something. I'm a huge tennis fan. And whenever the big Grand Slam champions were on, I'd often write a blog post around, you know, why Serena Williams mindset is incredible. And it would relate to the tennis and it might, you know, grab a few people who are watching it right at that point to understand more about that. Not necessarily that they're going to be my ideal clients, but so maybe not perfect pitch in terms of attracting those people, but also just for getting attention and eyeballs on what you're talking about and having a point of view and angle that maybe other people aren't looking at. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I guess a big thing here is for people who are listening, obviously, we're going to be talking about getting traditional media coverage right now, but also we're going to touch on some other ways that you can do this. And I think this leads back to something really, really important that I didn't do from the get-go. I was extremely scattered. I got a lot of great media in the first few years of my business and then it started coming to me. But I literally was just all over the place, Christina. I was like, oh, I could write in this post or I could pitch this person or I could share something here or I could blog about this. And you know what? It worked, but it was intense and it was tiring. And I don't necessarily think it was particularly strategic. I just hustled. So obviously what I'd love to do is let my untapped listeners have a better way of setting goals and actually building out a really, really credible media pitch list so that you know exactly who you should be talking to and also that they're going to put you in front of your ideal customers. So do you want to share a little bit more about how to do this more strategically so you're not just kind of jumping at all the opportunities that might be in front of you? Yeah. And that's a great question because so many people are like, oh, I want to be on Oprah Super Soul Sunday, or I want to be in Forbes or the New York Times. Like they go straight to the big ones just because that's the most impressive. It sounds very cool, which yes, it does. And yes, that gives you credibility. It gives you authority and it builds your brand. However, when it comes to public relations and earning media, this is a long-term strategy. It's not something that happens overnight and it's not something that it's one and done. Like, oh, I was in Forbes once. I am set. I don't need to do anything else because this is going to skyrocket my business. It doesn't work that way. You need to be getting media exposure consistently over time. And that is how you will slowly but surely build a brand. And I always tell people, listen, I know you want to go straight to the big dogs, but you want to start small. You want to start local to where you are in your town, in your city, in your state. And then also go super niche. Like look at the podcast. What category are people who buy your product or pay for your service? What category are they listening to podcasts? Get on those podcasts, pitch those podcasts. Podcasts are such a great way to build your brand because the podcast listener is a high quality listener. Meaning people who listen to podcasts are more likely to invest in themselves personally and professionally. 
it's a really great form of media. And building a pitch list for podcasts is, it's tough because there's a million podcasts out there. Over half are inactive and you have to literally just search one by one. This was a problem that I had as a PR agency owner. So I actually, I created something called Podcast Clout. It is a database that makes it easy to find podcasts to pitch. Like talk about you find a problem and you create something. I was like for three years, I was waiting for this to be created, like an easy way to build a pitch list, to pitch podcasts. Nobody created it. So I was like, fine, whatever. I'll call it (laughs) podcast cloud. I'll get it out there. And now we use it for my agency. And I'm like, you want it here, here, go to the website. It'll help you out to get on podcasts. But I mean, it really is just don't worry about the big fancy names like Good Morning America and whatever else, go to where your audience is and make it consistent two hours a week, block off time saying, I'm going to pitch podcast this month. Next month, I'm going to pitch this. The month after that, I'm going to pitch maybe newspapers, whatever it is. And your pitch should always be changing because remember, we're not promoting you. We're not promoting your brand. We're not promoting your product or your service. We are working with a news cycle. We are telling a news story. And New stories change day to day, week to week. So your pitch should be changing. So when it comes to building a pitch list, your pitch list is going to be pretty similar throughout because the audience is going to be in that spot. But something that's going to change on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, it's going to be that pitch. It's going to be what you're writing and what you're sending out because you're going to want to change your talking points if it's a podcast, for example, or you're going to want to change your angle if it's TV or if it's print or if it's online, just because that's the way news is. It's always changing. So you have to be flexible. I love that actually. And you know, if that sounds like a lot of work to people who are listening, well, how much do you want this? Because one really great piece of media can land and send you so many awesome people that are perfect for your business that you can help out. So I guess it really depends on the ROI, the return on investment that you're going to get from this. Um, By the way, I just have to backtrack. I can't believe that half of the podcasts out there are inactive. That just blows my mind. How did you learn that? Oh, I've done a lot of research on this to build podcast cloud, but you know what I think it is? And you know, this as a blogger, think of the people who start blogs. They're like, Oh, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to make money as a blogger. And then they try for two months and then they're like, oh, I'm not making money. I'm going to quit. I think people do the same thing with podcasts. I think they think I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to be a big star and I'm going to make money. And then when it doesn't happen after a couple of months, they quit. So Mm -hmm, I think that's why by over 500,000 podcasts are just inactive. They haven't updated an episode in 90 days. It's true. And actually also sometimes people take a hiatus. Like I took about six to nine months off mine once because I'd been doing it for seven or eight years. And also some people put out podcasts purely for, for example, a book. So they might do a 12 part episode for the book to promote it as lifelong content that's always available, but it's not an ongoing podcast. So that, yeah, that totally does make sense. It's scary though, isn't it? Because podcasts- people who do seasons, right? Like they don't do the one a week thing. They do seasons like- um, The real popular podcast, the serial ones. Yeah. yeah, Like those are done in seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I was very mindful of the seasoners and, you know, the people (laughs) who take a hiatus. So with podcast clout, 
we update the entire database every three months. Gotcha. So it's the top 200 podcasts in every category every three months. So if you're coming back from being inactive, we're going to make sure that you're there. But it's such an important thing for business owners. And again, if we're going to talk about low-hanging fruit, like if we're going to talk about a way to make this easier for your audience, I would suggest going all in on podcasts because again, it's easy. I mean, Natalie, right now, you know, mm -hmm. I'm talking to you from my closet because it is the quiet <laughs> space in my house with three kids. Like it's very I easy love to that, do. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to do a podcast interview when you are locked inside and <laughs> there are a lot to choose from. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of people have podcasts and there's quality ones out there. Like people yeah. are listening to podcasts. And again, those people are invested. They're mm -hmm. not people who just have the TV on in the background. They're not the people who are just skimming through articles. Most people who start a podcast will listen and listen till the end of it because they are invested. If they're listening to something for business, if they're listening to something, you know, for a hobby, like they're listening to that podcast to educate themselves and entertain themselves. So it's just a different quality of audience that you're reaching with podcasts and again, it is so easy if you just take the time to commit to pitching yourself. And I'm glad that you recognize that it's hard work, but it's easy work. It's like one of those things where it's like, you know what you have to do. Mm -hmm. You just have to take the time to do it and to do it consistently. It's like eating healthy and working out, right? Like it's easy. You know what you have to do. It's just a pain to actually do it. If you're not <laughs> committed, it's not going to work. But if you are committed and you do it, then it works wonders. Yeah. And I think it's also, is it part of your strategy? And I would hope that most people are like, yes, it is. But, but if it's not part of your strategy and it's not a core part of your week, you know, where you say, do you invest an hour each day, or maybe you do two hours in one session or half an hour every single day of outreach and pitching, then it's not going to be something that you value and find important. And I think the biggest thing for me is the ones the activities that people value are the ones where they finally can see something happening. So I would love for you to just share maybe just a couple of examples of your clients or even yourself where you were working at something for ages and it didn't feel like there was much, you know, happening. And then suddenly, bang, there was something that was just awesome that made you go, awesome. I just need to stick at doing this. Like, I just love to hear some wins that people have had. Oh my gosh, I can give you so many stories. Okay, I'll, sure give you, you I'll give you one. This will hopefully hit up a, a bunch of, this will bust a bunch of myths and mm -hmm. hit up a bunch of points that your audience will like. Love so it. I had a client, two guys, it was a side hustle. They weren't making any money. They were working on it at nights and on the weekends. It was a running app. So Natalie, if you are in New Zealand and I'm in South Florida and we want to race, like we can run against each other. This is actually a very good app if you're social distancing and want to run with people virtually. <laughs> so this is a, a running app. And these guys really wanted to be in Runner's World, which is a magazine. Obviously, very niche. Everybody reading Runner's World will care about a running app, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we, the two founders, one of them used to be 400 pounds, lost half of his body weight running and went down to 200 pounds. So we used his story to get that promotion for the app. Because if you just pitch the app, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to do that story. They actually had a PR agency before me and they got nowhere because they were just like, here's another fitness app. Nobody cares. There's a hundred million of them. So what we did was we pitched that founder story and by default, his app was mentioned. The other co-founder was a personal trainer. So he had that expertise. 
So we talked about his expertise and he got quoted everywhere as the founder of this app. And then the app would get hyperlinked in online articles. So they lived in Washington, DC. So we got them on TV in Washington, DC. We got them um, in the newspaper and the Washington post. Somebody at the today show saw that we got them on the today show, which is great. The today show reaches more people than runner's world, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people, me included that watch the Today Show and absolutely hate running. I'm not gonna be your customer. We started working with these guys in October. We started pitching Runner's World in October. They did not get in Runner's World until the following August. And this is for a couple of reasons. One (laughs) is that magazines work three months ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So in October, they're already coming out with their January issue. So we're already, you know, three months behind. Two, maybe I was pitching somebody who wasn't interested, like it just didn't grab them personally at that time. Maybe they had some kind of lifestyle change or maybe they learned something within those months and they were like, oh, I'm interested in this now. Maybe when I pitched somebody, I got them on a bad day. Maybe I pitched somebody when they were on vacation. There's lots of different reasons why a pitch could not work at that time. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't the right season. Because again, I started pitching in October, maybe for those magazines that come out in the winter, they're not going to talk about running outside because maybe a lot of their readers are in cold areas. So whatever the reason, there's tons that you could think of. There's tons that are legitimate reasons. It took almost a year for them to get that feature in Runner's World. But when they did, they made it on the website and they made it in the magazine, a full page article with a picture in the actual print magazine. Awesome. So that's just one example on why you need to be consistent and why you need to be patient. I tell people it's like SEO. It's like you have to commit to this long term. You don't hire an SEO company and then a month later expect to be on page one for all of these keywords. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work like that. So with the media, you have to be consistent. You have to be patient and you have to understand that a lot of it is out of your control. You can't force somebody to say something. You can't force them to cover you. That's what advertising's for. You give them all your money and you tell them what to say. But that's also why advertising doesn't have that authority and that credibility. And that's why it's not believable because it's an ad. So earning media like this, it is hard because a lot of people want it. They want other people to say, hey, this person's great. Check them out authentically without paying for it. So there's a lot of competition, but if you're patient and you're consistent, it can pay off and where it pays off. It's actually nine times out of 10. It's not in that actual piece of media. It's not in the article in runner's world. It's what you do with the article in runner's world. And this is another big misconception and, and something that drives me crazy with my clients. They'll get a media hit and they won't do anything with it. I'm like, you need to share this on your social media. You need to tag the podcast host, tag the journalist, tag the outlet, like share it everywhere multiple times and tag the people who are involved. Because I can tell you, I mean, I wrote for Inc. Magazine for two years. I shared and I still share all of those articles on my social media. And when people reach out to me, it's not, hey, I saw your article in Inc. It's, hey, I saw you share your article in Inc. I saw that you shared it on LinkedIn and I want to talk about how you became a writer there. So Mm. you really have to leverage the media. Don't expect to get media exposure and then everything's going to happen 
Because think of how you consume the media. You see something on TV, you read something in a magazine, five minutes later, you're on to the next thing. You need to be reminded, right? Like in sales, you need to see something seven or eight times before you decide to do something about it. You need to be showing people you are in the media seven or eight times. And now it's probably 70 or 80 times because we're consumed (laughs) with so much content on a daily basis. So that's just one example of, you know, waiting it out and, you know, how some things can just happen out of the blue. And then when they do happen, how you need to leverage it. I mean, there's, there's one other story to give you a TV story, Rachel Ray. I pitched a product to Rachel Ray and for months we heard nothing. And then one day the client called me and he said, Hey, we were just on Rachel Ray. And I was like, listen, I'm your publicist. If you were on Rachel Ray, I would know it. Like clearly this guy, it's his product. He would know if he's on Rachel Ray. So I looked back and it was, it was a baby product and it was featured in a a segment called human lab where some moms test out products. And so I called the producer and I was like, dude, you didn't want to give me like a heads up. And he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You pitched this months ago and we just kind of put it on the shelf. And then I saw it somewhere else, which is another media hit, a much smaller media hit that the client actually was not impressed by at all. Well, the producer saw it there and it reminded him, oh, I've been pitched with this before. Let's put it in this segment. And so that turned into a hit months later on the Rachel Ray show in front of millions. And I didn't know it was coming. And yeah, it's one of those things where you just, you kind of throw it out there and, and you follow up. But again, like it's not that producer's job to promote the product. It's his job to put on a good show. Yeah. And luckily, you know, for me and my client that day, it included the product. And have they actually done well from that? Because I think that's another thing is people who will pitch media and, you know, I used to write for Forbes and quite a few sites actually. And people go, oh my gosh, you write for Forbes. It must be amazing. But the amount of actual traffic that it sent back to me was negligible. But the kudos and the credibility that it brought me at the time was powerful in people's minds, right? So I think there's different types of media. And Um, that's exactly it. That's what people don't understand. Like, it's not the actual article, it's how it positions you yeah. as an expert in your industry. And like the example with the Rachel Ray show, they did end up doing well because they leveraged it. So mm-hmm. when that product creator went to audition to be on Shark Tank, he said, oh, I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in Business Insider. I've even been on the Rachel Ray show. That impressed the producers of Shark Tank. So that helped him get on cool. Shark Tank. Yeah. And then he made a deal on Shark Tank. Oh, so, awesome. you know, then his product was for sale on Walmart and Bye Bye Baby and all of that. But it's how you leverage it. Like same thing. I mean, Natalie, what you just said about Forbes, that's a perfect example. People don't read about you in Forbes and then call you up and want to do business with you. People say, oh my gosh, you write from Forbes. That's amazing. Teach me the ways. And then they hire you because you write for Forbes, not yeah. because they saw you in Forbes. That's leveraging media. Yeah. And you've reminded me, I have all these beautiful logos on my website of Business Insider and Forbes and Inc and Entrepreneur Mag. And I just probably don't talk about it enough because it feels like, you know, you're doing the work and you're wanting to show up and serve people. You kind of forget that sometimes you need to actually toot your own horn in a good way and say, totally, Hey, totally. Um, there were a couple of things from the conversation. Now it's girls hard to stop you talking, but you're dropping all these value bombs. So it's great. So I just wanted to <laughs> go back to two things that I think were really important that you said is that every other content producer in PR and the media, they have a schedule that is months out. And so the sooner you start pitching and being in front of them, the more likely it is that 
you know, it's going to hit sometime in the next three to six months. The same for podcasters, as you mentioned, you know, I plan my shows out quite far in advance, but some people it's six, nine or 12 months and they booked way out. So don't assume that if you have a book or a course or a product that's coming out in a couple of months, you can just turn up and suddenly hit the big time. And the other thing I think that you mentioned was just around Oh, see, it was so long back now. I'm trying to remember. Was around sharing and sharing again. So I think we're all guilty of this, but I've been doing it more with my podcast. Is when this episode comes out, for example, I will share it the day it comes out via email, via LinkedIn, via Facebook, via Twitter, and via Instagram. But then I will continue to repurpose and share the content over the coming weeks and even months. And there's no reason that you can't go back to some of your best content, like you did with your ink articles, and continue to share them because, as you said the social media platforms are just a drop in the park. Like people see something in an instant and then it's gone a few seconds later and you're vying for so much attention. So it's worth repeating and repeating and repeating and sharing that content for more eyeballs to see it consistently over the weeks and months, especially if you put in the effort to create great content. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you also have to think of where you're sharing it. And if it's on social media, social media is a constantly moving feed. So, and there's the algorithm. So mm-hmm. people are either going to log on after you post it or before you post it and they're going to miss it completely. Or that day the algorithm says, oh, I don't think this person wants to see it. We're not going to show it to them. Or the algorithm is going to say, oh, this person loves Natalie's stuff. So we're going to show this to them that even if they see the same thing twice in a month or two months, A, they're probably not going to remember because they've seen a hundred million things since then. And B, even if they remember seeing it twice, they're not going to care because they like your stuff. That's why the algorithm shows it to them. So it's really a win-win situation. I put everything in a queue. I use Agora Pulse and I will literally put everything in a social media queue. So when this episode goes live, I'm going to put it in my queue and I'm going to consistently be sharing it. So if I have a hundred posts in there and you're 99, by the time we get back to 99 after we're recycling, this is going to show up again and it will just show up indefinitely because this content, what we're talking about here, it's pretty evergreen. It's going to yeah. be relevant today. It's probably going to be relevant in five years. If there is something that is very timely that would you know, have an expiration date, then I would not share it you know, indefinitely. But something like this, I'm going to continue to share it. That's good for me because I'm showing my audience, look, I'm a guest on a podcast that builds my authority and credibility. And for you, it's, oh, Christina's sharing my podcast with her listeners. That's great. I'm going to invite her back because this is something that a lot of, I've been told by journalists when I've pitched them clients before, they've said, listen, the last two times I've included your client in this coverage, they didn't share it on social media. And I really rely on those clicks and traffic. And because they're not helping me spread the word about this coverage, I'm not going to include your client anymore. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times in the past year that has happened. And that's why I want to kill my clients when they don't share their content (laughs) on social media. Because I'm like, listen, it's not their job to promote you. Like the least you can do is say thanks by like tweeting the article that they wrote about you. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that. So I want to dive into just a few more questions. I know we could talk for ages and I will share all of this in the notes because Agora Pulse, you know, I'll link to everything and of course to you and all your goodness. But just in terms of, coming back to a really, really great pitch. How do you send an email to somebody that just won't get ignored? How do you do that? And obviously not turn out being that annoying person, but really adding value there. We kind of touched on a little bit before, but even if you were able to just kind of give a little sample email of something that has worked and works for your clients, because I'm sure you have this down to a T now. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can give you a few examples. The first thing you don't do is don't write a press release and don't write press release in the subject line. Everybody thinks this is like the go-to thing. Why do people do that? This work, well, because they did it in the 70s and it works then and they haven't evolved. <laughs> like pretty much. Nobody's got time to read a press release. Like nobody wants another email in their inbox, especially a long, boring press release that's super promotional. So instead, literally you can write five sentences. Something that I did to get on Pat Flynn's podcast, I've been on his podcast about three times now. Wow. And the very first time I was on his podcast, I made a two minute video and it was a video pitch and the email was two sentences long. I actually share this. I share this with my email list subscribers, the exact pitch. And it was really like, it was something like, I, I heard you say on a podcast episode that you get 400 pitches a day and they're all emails. And if somebody created a video pitch, you would watch it. Well, here's mine. Like mm-hmm. something like that. And then a couple of weeks later, I noticed that there was one view on it because it was, you know, a link to a YouTube video. There was one view on it and it was me making sure like it worked okay. So I sent an email and I was like, hey, Pat, I noticed you haven't watched this yet. Here it is. And then he was like, okay, cool. Let's have you on. That was the first time that I was on. And then after like my email list grew like crazy. I got people buying my media mentoring program after hearing me on that. And then I was on his podcast another couple of years later. And then I joined his mastermind. Like that's like, again, the power of Mm. being a podcast guest. So for that one, I made it very personal. Like you said this in a podcast. So I created a video here it is. And it was short. The email was short and the video was short. So you want to make your pitch personal. Don't send the same pitch to 500 people at the same time. That's a mistake that I saw all the time in news. Lots of publicists would do that. So the short, the more personalized, the better. Make it short and sweet. And then Twitter is like something that is going to help you a lot because again, we don't want another email in our inbox, but we will pay attention to a notification on Twitter. So something that I do when I pitch a team that I know at CNN, I will send them a tweet and I will say, hey, I just sent you a pitch because they get... 30,000 emails a day. They get 30,000 pitches a day. So if I want to stand out in their inbox, I'm going to tweet them and tell them that I'm in their inbox. And again, I don't send press releases. I keep it short, sweet, and to the point. And it's, hey, this is why your audience would care about this. I know your audience right now are moms and they're watching this from home. This is why moms staying at home in the middle of the day would care about this story. And this is what I can, like, if it's TV, I can offer you, you know, a video via Zoom. We have good lighting. We have good audio. If it's for print, I have high resolution pictures. You want to literally just give them everything on a silver platter. Journalists are overworked and underpaid. So as much as you can help them do their job, they're more likely to use you as a source. And then I also add in there like, hey, we are more than happy to share this. If you're interested, please let us know. We were more than happy to share this on our social media and tag you and, and drive more people to watch or read the story. Yeah, I love that. And you know what? You're a perfect example. Of course you would be because you're the PR specialist on your media page. You know, you have the angles and topics for interview questions. You have beautiful photos. You have your bio. It's all there. So you can just link to that media page. And I would highly recommend this for anybody listening. How many years I think I spent trying to gather all those resources. And every single time somebody asked for that for interviews, for requests for media, and now it's just all on one page or in one document. It's so handy. So save yourself the time if you're really going to commit to this make it as easy as possible and have a great system. I just want to finish off and just mindful of time and oh, wish I could talk for a lot more, but we'll have you back on the podcast. See how you did so well there. A little bit just about 
your business because I think it's really important that people know that you were initially a professional freelancer and, and now you're like a million dollar agency owner who does podcasts from, you know, wardrobe cupboards, which I just love, by the way, that's just keeping <laughs> it real. And I think I just really love to know what do you think it was that helped you get to that point? Because that's a huge shift, right? And I just want to leave people with how do you get paid to be you and then really turn it into something where it's not just about you anymore. You know, you've built a whole team and an agency and an, you know, an amazing business. What was it for you that you fundamentally think allowed you to do that? Well, first of all, I'm going to start calling my closet a wardrobe cupboard because that's amazing. <laughs> and I love that. So I am in my wardrobe cupboard. I love it. Second of all, <laughs> I honestly, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur or have a million dollar business. I never even wanted to. I just wanted a flexible schedule. And when I got out of TV news and started looking for jobs in PR, I realized that nobody wants to give you a flexible schedule. Like nobody would even let me work from home. Like I think the coronavirus let people know like, oh, hey, it is possible for people to use their Wi-Fi at home for work that they did on the Wi-Fi here in the office. So I mean, I just wanted a flexible schedule and I called myself a professional freelancer. And then with one client, I needed help and I hired somebody to help me. I was like, look, take some of this money because I'm so stressed out. I will trade the money for stress. And that's kind of how it started. That's how the team building started. But it wasn't until I hired my first business coach and I put $15,000 on a credit card to coach with somebody for a year. And I said, listen, I hate wasting money. I don't have this money. That's why it's on a credit card. And I'm just going to do everything this person tells me to do so I can get my money's worth, right? It's like, that, that's why I pay for gym memberships in advance <laughs> because if I pay for it and then I have to use it and I'm forced to go. So I think that was the start of it. That was the start of, okay, I wasted the first two years of my business just soaking up free content, but that only get you so far. I needed somebody who's been there, done that to know my specific goals, my specific problems at the specific times to walk me through them and get me out of that. That was about three years ago. And now I am making more money than I've ever made. I'm working less hours than I've ever worked. I have an amazing team in place. And I honestly could not have done it if I do not pay people who are smarter than me and who have been where I'm at before and who have already done it. Like I literally just pay people to tell me what to do because they already know everything. It's kind of like college, except it makes more sense, right? Like <laughs> you're told go to college, spend all this money so you get a good job. Well, instead of doing that, I'm spending less money and I'm learning from people who have actually done what I am trying to do. And that's honestly, that's made the difference because if I was still just soaking up free content online from all of these places, I would be where I was, you know, at the very beginning. And it wouldn't, I would still be stressed with income that is very inconsistent and I'm not. So I think it was some mindset shifting when it came to spending money and investing, but so many other things. And it's just a little bit of learning every day, right? Like I've been doing this for over five years now and you just learn a little bit every day and it's just implementing what works and not doing what doesn't work. But again, having those coaches and mentors help you stay away from trial and error. It's less trial and error. So you move a lot further faster. Such wise words. Thank you so much for sharing. I highly recommend investing in a coach. Just as you said, somebody who's done exactly what you want to do and can get you there and sort of tell you the things you need to do or give you the great questions to ask yourself to step up and be that person who can be there. So thank you so much for sharing. And just for all the goodness today, I'm going to link to you in the show notes, but where's the best possible place for people to reach out and thank you for your wisdom. And then I'll obviously put that in as well. 
Thank you. Yeah. So on social media, I'm at Christina all day. I also have a podcast, which Natalie will be a guest on that is called become a media maven. If you want to be on more podcasts, I mentioned podcast clout. Mm -hmm. That's at podcastclout.com. But I'm, you know, in all the places. Thank you for linking Natalie. I'm happy to connect with all of your amazing listeners. I bet you are in all the places and um, really, really Highly recommend for you to tune in to Christina's podcast. I love the name of it. Christina All Day is also great. I should have stolen my one for Natalie All Day as well. <laughs> it's um, the only one where I could get the same handle and the URL in all of the spots. That's why. <laughs> very clever because that's your lifestyle blog, right? So again, I'll link yeah. to that in the show notes, but I love it. Thank you again. And thank you for being on the Untapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Hey, I really hope that you enjoyed that episode with Christina. Do make sure that you check out her website, and her podcast. And if you are ready to get paid to be you, then please check out my brand new ebook that is available on my website at nataliesisson.com. It's right there in the home banner and it's called Get Paid to Be You, 10 Ways to Monetize Your Knowledge and Skills and Do Work That Matters. So it is pretty awesome. It's a short, sweet read with 10 different ways that you can earn revenue just by being you. And I really hope that you're going to love it. It's my latest opt-in and I'm really attempting to put out useful, valuable resources, tools, and guides for you that just make building your business and making the income and impact that you desire in this world to be that much easier for you to do. So again, check it out, nataliesisson.com, right there, top of the page, go grab your free copy. Thanks for listening to the Untapped Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, can you tag me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson with a screenshot of where you're listening in or share it with a friend who might just need to hear about how to pitch themselves for media or share it with a friend who you know needs a leg up when it comes to pitching themselves, getting more business, getting in the media and having their great work amplified for everybody to find out about them. And remember, here's to unleashing your potential and getting paid to be you so that you can do the work that matters. 